Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Ooh, post kisser. Hey guys, excited to kick off our new podcast here, Upper 90. A eight-part series discussing various topics in youth soccer here in the United States. I'm your host, Dan McCarthy, and I will be joined weekly by Club DOC, Carl Dixon, and Club Community Development Manager, Sam Furhurst. How are we doing, guys? Brilliant. You know, Monday morning, start of a new week. Got my matcha latte, ready to go. Yeah. Nah, nice to have the weekend boxed off. It was a bit, bit of a busy one this weekend with fall league starting and stuff, but so. It was a good one. Yep, something we'll get into later in the series. Okay, so going to jump straight into the first topic, guys. Uh, do parents help or hurt their child's development? We'll go straight in with you, Sam. What do you think? Interesting question. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of parents that do do good things and help the kids, and obviously, which is it's the goal for the parents. But I think there are some parents who, unfortunately, they do hinder the the child's development with some things that they do, or you know. The, the way they kind of get involved in certain things. Okay, with, with regards to getting involved in certain things, what would you kind of go into there? Uh, I mean, well, I've got I've got a story I can just jump straight into if you want. <laughs> right, right, let's kick it off. Right? <laughs> we want to get right in there. Yes, sir. Um, so when, when we brought this topic out, the first thing that came to my mind was um, a kid that I used to coach in Florida before I moved to California. Um, and this, this was the one that jumped right out at me because the parents... 100% hindered this kid's development. They basically just ruined things for him. Uh, so I was coaching a U11 team, a boys team. It was quite a good team, quite a good competitive team. It would be like a flight one team that we, we class in California. And about halfway through the season, this 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 guy's parents came to me and said, look, we're looking for a club. We, we know you've got a good team. Any chance he can join the team? So we brought him in, practice player for the rest of the year. And then that next year, we took him on as a, a full-time player. Really good little player, centre midfielder, good feet. Wasn't the fittest, but I mean, they're like 10 years old. It wasn't a massive deal. He was technically very good for a 10-year-old. So that was that. Put him on the team. Um, one of the tournaments that we had, um, I had to get a coach to cover it because I had multiple teams. So I get a call that evening after coaching something like three or four games in a day. I'm shattered. I just want to get some food and go to bed. It's the guy who was coaching my team calls me and said we've had a bit of an issue so this kid apparently he brought him off in one of the games and then he put him back on in a different position didn't do too well so he brought him back off again after the game this kid's parent the dad stormed straight across the field guy's trying to do his like uh, closing speeches and tell the kids all the stuff about what he thought about the game debriefing him starts kicking off why did you take my kid off? Why did you put him in that position? He doesn't play there. He plays in this position, in front of the kids, in front of the parents. Just made a massive scene. It ended up where like the the coach and the parent had to be pulled apart, pretty much. Coach kind of went mad at him for coming over when he basically should have waited to speak to him. All got a little bit crazy. So that was that. That was one incident that we had to then speak to that dad and say, listen, you can't do that. If that happens again, you know you're not going to be allowed to come to any of the games like you know blah 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 great dad wasn't too bad from then on dad was absolutely all right he would stand on his own in a corner 
watch the games. You could tell he was getting a little bit annoyed, but he like would control it, and we never had any issues with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few months after, <laughs> we had an incident with the kid where I used to rotate the keepers, so I put him in goals for for the second half of the game. Uh oh. <clears throat> kid didn't really want to play in goal, but. That was the same with all the kids. Some of them liked it, some of them didn't, but they all knew it was a little team rule. They all had to play in goal at some point. Defender passes the ball back to him, and instead of like getting it and playing out like we normally do, he just smashes the ball off the field into the trees. So shout over to the player, like, what's going on? So like, don't want to play in goal. So I'm like, don't worry about it, get on with it. You've only got to play for this half. A couple more minutes after, we pass the ball back to him again. He smashes it out again. It's like... What are you doing? What's going on? <coughs> don't want to play in goal. So I just turned to a kid on the bench and went, uh, hey, go and jump in goal. This kid just runs on the field, jumps in goal, I take him off, sit and chat to the kid and say, listen, you can't do that. I, I understand you don't want to play in goal. You just have to do it. Everyone else has to do it. Just do your best. Enjoy your best you can. That's that. Your punishment is you're not going back on the field for the second half because you're meant to be playing in goal, so you're not going back on. That was that. No problem. We had a game the next day, so I said to the kid, like, listen, you'll be playing tomorrow. It is what it is. You've served your punishment. That's that. We go away, no issues. That was one where I, I, I thought I was going to get a bit of a bit of a earache off the dad. Nothing. Brilliant. I wake up the next morning. Like I said, we've got a game. I'm flicking through my emails. 3 a.m. in the morning, the mum had sent me an email saying, I disagree with what you did, putting my kid in goal, taking him off. Uh, I was proud that my kid didn't want to play in goal so he kind of showed you that he didn't want to play in goal and I was proud that he stood up for himself and you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that mm. so I'm like wow no. 3 o'clock in the morning she'd probably had a few beers who knows, I mean I can't confirm that but <laughs> <laughs> it's possible, it's yeah, possible. You know. I don't know what people usually do at 3 in the morning Yeah. so anyway we, we go to the game like normal, I'd said to the kid he was going to play that had already gone, he'd served his punishment he plays the game, you know, that's that. Everything's fine. But obviously, told my DOC about it, so we had a meeting with the dad and the mum and said, listen, spoke to the dad and said, look, you've been really good since it happened, so, you know, no complaints from you. Basically said the same thing to the mum that we said to the dad, like, look, you, you can't be encroaching on that sort of thing. The coaches dealt with the situation, blah, 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 let it be, trust us, this, that, and the other. We said, but look, this is the second time with your family have had to deal with anything. If there's another incident, we're going to have to ask you to leave the club. Mm. Fair enough, blah, 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 we talked it out, not a problem. A few months later, we're doing a fundraiser for a fundraiser for the club, but also for a, for a charity. And it's a 24-hour soccer game. We do it on an indoor gym. So if you've been to like a, a high school gym, the, the basketball court we use as a soccer field, and then you've got the bleachers. So kids come at, at different times and they play 5v5 and the parents sit in the stands and chat and hang out and you play for an hour or two. So at one point, my kids were playing this same team. They're quite competitive. Ball had gone out for a throw-in. They were arguing over whose throwing it was. As I turn around, because I can hear them arguing, this kid in question pushes another kid over, kid goes flying, bangs his head, and then a couple of kids like start like almost fighting with each other a little bit. So I run over split the kids up, make sure the boy's all right. The the kid that pushed the kid and the kid that was then trying to fight him, sticking up for his friend, sent one of them to one corner, one of them to another corner, and said, I'll be over in a minute. Made sure the kid that banged his head was okay, game's still going on. 
So I went over to the kid that pushed him, said, oh, you know, you can't be pushing him. What happened? Blah, blah, blah. He said that apparently the kid had pushed him first. So he pushed him back, whatever, whatever. I didn't see the other kid pushing him. I told him this, said, look, you're going to sit out now for a little bit. If you behave and you're good for the last part, you can go back in, right? Great. Went over to the other kid who was trying to fight this kid because he pushed his friend over. Said the same thing to him, like, look, you can't be fighting. If that happens, you've got to deal with it a better way, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to go back in and play unless you behave on the sideline and you can go back in for the last part. All good. When the kid who banged his head was all right, I let him go in and play. And about a minute after I let this kid go back in and play, the mum walks across the court in the middle of this fundraiser while all the kid, all the parents are in the, the bleachers and starts like pointing a finger saying, why are you not letting my kid back in? You've let this other kid back in, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, whoa, 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 like, middle of a fundraiser, wasn't expecting that. Not the time, not the same. She's like, oh, you favor this kid, you favor that kid, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, whoa, she's like, we're going. I was like, look, if you want to leave, you, you can go. She's like, is he going to play anymore? I said, yeah, I told him if, if he behaves for a little bit, he can play for the last part. Nah, we're going, we're going. So she grabs him, they leave, off we go. So then obviously I call my director, tell him what's gone on. And he's like, obviously like, this is the final straw. I have to have a meeting with him, let him know. Obviously we're gonna have to let you go and we have to let your kid go. And that was that, so they left the club. Uh, and then a few months later, like you know, you bump into coaches and people and parents at different fields. He was then playing for another club in the local area who were classed as like a, a pretty weak club playing on a really weak team, like a flight three team. And basically that was just a, an example that came into my head of like, those parents have ruined that kid's development because there's no reason why he shouldn't have been on my top flight one team, playing regularly, developing, and then obviously progressing. But because they got so involved and because they couldn't trust my decisions and the way I dealt with certain things and the way the club wanted them to act as parents, they basically ruined it for him. I would guess, if I made some calls back to people in Florida now, I would guess he's probably not even playing. Because when you start to talk to coaches and that name comes up and that family comes up, it turns out that other clubs had also kicked them out because the parents are out of control. Wow. We told you there'd be entertainment. I'm going to give Sam a couple of seconds there to get a drink and relax. <laughs> it's a uh, long story, right? Yeah, right. We kicked, we kicked it off big there. Uh, interested to hear Carl's thoughts on this, being a DOC and the, uh, you know, experiencing this stuff a lot, I guess. Right, Carl? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an interesting topic for sure. And I think Sam's story is probably one of the many examples of, you know, a parent or parents really not kind of letting go and relaxing, you know, trusting the process and giving it time. You know, do parents help or hurt their child's development? I'm not sure there's a yes or no answer for it. Mm. And there's tons of examples of positives and negatives. I think, you know, and you guys can disagree, but I think parents that find avenues and resources for their kids to get better within any sport, you know, say it be practicing with a team, joining a team, playing on a futsal team, getting private coaching, you know, getting an opportunity to touch the ball as much as they can, definitely help 
in that kid's development within the sport. Mm -hmm. I, I think most of the times, in my opinion, where it goes wrong is when that parent starts to strive for something that their kid isn't really striving for at that time. So an example would be, you know, we talk about flights out here all the time. We've got flight one, two, and three. You know, if there's a kid who's on a flight two team, he's enjoying the sport and just developing and having fun, but a parent's obsessed with getting to the next level and getting on, I don't know, an academy team, I think that's where then problems start to arise. You know, it becomes a little too much. You know, they're wanting to talk to the coach. They start overanalyzing every little situation where instead, you know, I think if they just give it a little time, hopefully then that kid will breed into them what they want to strive for. Mm. And I think they'll get to where they should get to, right? Yeah, the, the, the unrealistic expectations, I think, is what causes and, and hinders a lot of kids because you do you get these parents and often it's the parents who maybe they've been very successful themselves and they automatically think at that age they wanted to be on a development academy team. So why should their kids not? But then you also get parents who maybe they were never good enough. So now they want their kid and they think their kid can be and should be good enough. And they think that their kid should have those higher kind of expectation and push themselves a little bit more. Yeah, so that point there you just made is a, a question probably for both of you guys is do you think there's a lot of parents out there who are living their own goals and aspirations through their child and putting that unnecessary pressure on their child to achieve maybe what they didn't or did in their previous? What do you think on that? <laughs> Look, I think for sure, probably, you know, anyone listening to this podcast should know that we don't have kids yet. I don't know, maybe Sam does. We don't know about <laughs> yeah. it. But, Saturday, uh, Saturday night, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, it's hard for us to get in the mindset of a, being a parent and, you know, that being your whole life. But for sure, there's definitely parents out there that are reliving their childhood. And, you know, who's not to say someday I won't be that parent. And hopefully I'm in a structure and a club that teaches you how to be a parent and the right way to carry yourself. You know, we, we go around the fields every day and every weekend and you can definitely tell who that mom or dad is that probably played the sport. Mm. Yeah. And wants their child to get to that next level in the sport that they love. So uh, it definitely is a big factor. There There's so many factors. You know, Sam, for you, what would be the what would be the key points of, you know, trying to be the right parent from coaching many teams and different levels of teams? I think it's it's important as a parent that like it comes from the kid. So there's, there's there's things you can do to kind of get the kid to want to play more and want to get better without like directly forcing them to. And I think if you can if you can find a way to do that, that that's the best way to go about it. I think um, I think back to when I was a kid. My my mum and my dad weren't into soccer at all, and me playing and me practicing was all driven by me. Used to love watching it on TV. I would kick a ball at the side of the house every night. Anytime there was people playing on the local park, I would be on there. It was a good excuse to get you out of the house too, right? Get you out of their sight. <laughs> well, they didn't have Fortnite back then, did they? So. Oh yeah, 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 true, true. Yeah, but back in the dark ages. 
But yeah, so if, if you can find a way for for your your kid to want to do it more than necessarily you wanting your kid to do it, that's that's the big win for me. And I, I think back to a, a good friend of mine when I was younger, uh, was a very good player, but he had a dad that was always taking him to the park, taking him on the side of the house and kind of making him practice. And it worked for a while because all that extra practice, he, he would get better and better and he started to become a better player on the team and then the better player in the local area. But then what? I, he doesn't play anymore. I think he stopped playing at, at 17 or 18. Because when he became old enough to, you know, he's an adult, to drive himself to practices and to games and all this sort of stuff, he didn't really want to do it anymore because I feel like his, his dad had burnt him out. His dad had really just overdone it with him. Mm. Mm. That's a good point, yeah. Can't yeah. anything else, Ed? Uh, no, it's just, it's always interesting, parent involvement, you know. There's, there's many parents who are very involved, you know, for good reasons as well, you know, helping out the team, helping out the coach. But there's also involvements that, in my opinion, just aren't needed. And I think, again, that stems into being a parent, caring about your kid. Uh, an example I, I have, which is very interesting, if you really dive into it, you know, coaching a group, uh, the group's a little older so they're around 13 14 and we're playing in a match through a tournament uh, this player's got a mindset where when things aren't going his way he puts his head down you know he kind of slumps and from my end it was always I never got on him everything was about pushing him to feel confident you know he's a striker so any chances he was getting in my opinion were good chances and to stay confident however I'm not sure of just his general you know makeup or I don't know maybe there's pressure coming from somewhere else but anytime he didn't get on the score sheet anytime he didn't score a goal it was head down slumping so you know close to a year and a half really of me trying to help this kid develop his mindset to where one day I felt uh, kind of putting my arm around him and being, you know, pumping him up and kind of being that loving character really wasn't needed. And we were playing a game, I don't know, I think it was one, one at half time. Things were going well, things weren't like normal. And I seen the player walking off with uh, just a really depressed look. He looked sad and, you know, I thought at that point in his life he was old enough to handle me kind of calling him out in front of the group and saying hey get your head up you know there's no need to be acting like that and if you are going to act like that you're not going to get anywhere not mm -hmm. only in the sport but life in itself now this was in a tournament where we have the rule of parents are sitting on the side of the bench and his dad heard this and I think his dad didn't agree with that strategy at that time, but he also didn't know the inner workings of our relationship over that year and a half. So anyways, long story short, that week of practice, uh, you know, we have a rule, parents aren't on the field, you know, don't approach the coach. However, I have a very good relationship with my family. So, you know, I think the dad thought that this was a perfect time and he came out and basically said that my approach he didn't agree with and it's not going to help him. 
I kind of told him that, look, here's how I've been working it for so long, and it was needed. It was needed. And in fact, the other players heard it, and the whole team boosted their performance. So it didn't only affect that player after I said it. The whole team lifted their performance, and that player lifted their performance too. The dad sort of got into a bit of a debate with me, which wasn't needed, but you know, ever since that point, my relationship with that player felt fragmented. Mm. And anyways, long story short, it turned out that that player ended up giving up soccer that year and never played club soccer again. And he was a very talented player. And that to me is an example of parent involvement in the wrong moment. I think if the dad would have let the teaching moment happen, and just let the kid learn on his own and accept that, hey, he got called out and move on. I think that kid would have been playing the game right now, but yep. I think the dad actually got in the kid's head so much that then the kid started overanalyzing every scenario within our team and even how I was talking to him and the relationship broke down. So I think my advice to all parents in that case would be, look, there's gonna be teaching, teaching moments and there's gonna be some moments where you're gonna see your coach hug the player, high five him, say great things, but there's also gonna be moments where they're gonna say, you know, not so good things in the right way. It'll be constructive, but it has to happen. It's real life, right? Correct. You know, if somebody's telling you you're great, you're great, you're great every day, and then next minute you're put in an environment where that person's not telling you that, you're gonna struggle. But I think what the parents should do, you know, for the teaching moment on the coach's behalf is let it happen. Don't get involved, you know. Just just let the situation breathe and I guarantee the coach and the player, and no matter what age the player is, I think it will figure it out and I think they'll get better for it. So I think there that's, that's a good example of parent involvement not needed in the development of a player, you know. Yeah, excellent point. And just touching on something that you've both mentioned, you know, Sam previously said he came from more of a relaxed background. I can emphasize that for myself. Coming from a group of parents, my my dad was an ex-player, but completely took the back seat, kind of let me do my thing, figure it out for myself. Um, and my mum, she came to some games, but not all, and kind of just supported it every way and, you know, and left me to figure it out. Um, what approach to just kind of wrap things up my last question to you guys summarize it as quick as you can is what approach works does it depend on the kid you know is it a a parent is a parent needed to be on their kid and and continuously push them and motivate them or is it a better example or a better idea to take that step back and let the kid you know fend for themselves just try and summarize that you know sentence or two so we can get on to the something else tough, what do you think? tough tough to put that into a sentence I, I right. think it of course uh, honestly I think it depends on the family yeah the the, the kid the player uh, you know and then the coach they have as well you know I think that's definitely plays a big factor but I think you know we we all talked about it there now you guys did we wanted to play the sport yeah we didn't have <clears throat> anyone forcing us to play the sport and you know what if we didn't want to play it you know, our folks would have said, Find something else. no problem, yeah. don't play it. I think it has to come from the kid. And I think as, it, as the journey begins and goes on, I think the parent should just 
watch their kid, get the feedback, and let things happen. I think there's going to be good and bad things along the way, but I, I think the involvement doesn't need to be over the top. I don't think you need to micromanage every training session, every game. I don't think you need to talk to your coach every week and say, what does my son need to do to get better? Yeah. I think that's a conversation after the six month point yeah. or maybe even a year point. You know, I don't think, you know, it's we're in an age where everything now, 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 but it doesn't happen that way, I think, in a kid's development in sport. That's my opinion. Patience I think what you, said, what you said there about like the, the parent coming and saying, like, what does he need to do to get better every week? That's again the, the parent wanting the kid to, to get better and to do it. Whereas I know I would be like, oh, if, I was, if a coach was putting me on the bench, it would be me saying, why am I on the bench? What have I got to do to, to start the game? Whereas I think, like, if you're that parent who's going in and saying, what does he have to do? What does he have to do? I think you're that parent who's already too involved. You know, some more player responsibility. Because again, that's it coming from the it's coming from the parent rather than the the player. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not the player crying out to get better. It's the parent wanting the player to get better. Mm -hmm. right. Great kicking off, guys. You know, just to summarise that, I think we all agree. Um, it's a culture thing, as you guys probably could tell. Three different accents coming here, all from Europe. So, you know, the culture of the sport we play may be slightly different to what we experience here in the states, but. I'm sure Sam, myself, Carl can agree that, you know, the community we're in right now is a, you know, pretty much a positive one most of the time, right? And, you know, we're lucky to be stationed and work where we do and, you know, we're lucky to have a good support. So, guys, great start to the podcast. Appreciate it. All right, rolling into part two here, recapping the opening weekend of the SCDSL Fall League. For you, those of you guys who do not live in California, the this weekend represented the first opening games of our Fall League campaign, a league which runs for the next three months, finishing around mid-November. So let's get into it, guys. Uh, quick recap of the weekend. Anything you got up to? We'll go to Carl. Well, uh, per usual weekend spent pretty much on the field uh, I might stop paying rent on my apartment on the weekends and just move to the field <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice shed over a very coaster I think the, uh, I coached two games myself and watched about six matches supported a few of our coaches so you know all in all you know fun weekend uh, obviously no Premier League on either so didn't really miss any uh, hey, hey, hey. We'll, games. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. But yeah, I, I think you know tons of things to talk about. I think something that probably <coughs> really important is, and I know it's been happening now for a couple of years, but is the build outline. <laughs> uh, I love the build outline. I, I think the idea is great. You know, you can see in our club and our coaches, they really enjoy it. You know, being able to teach the kids and give them opportunities to receive the ball in the back and play out. But it's very clear, and obviously, with things being so consistent outside of league where tournaments don't play the build out line, it's just so clear of the coaches that don't focus on the build out line and don't endorse it. You know, and then. I think those coaches as well, I don't know if you'll agree, they're the ones that if we didn't have the build out line, would have the keepers smashing the ball as far as they could every time. Oh yeah, 100%. And 
you know, I love what US soccer's trying to do, but until everything, you know, tournaments, all the leagues have got the build out line, I think we're gonna continue to run through this problem. You know, uh, I watched all our small side of teams play, and obviously I coached in the 2010 age group as well, and you can just tell the kids now understand when it's a goal kick, what happens, where kids are supposed to be placed, you know, if it's the right back who receives it, where the right midfielder should be, where the centre midfielder should be to try to connect out. And then when you flip it and watch, I would say a lot of the other teams, they just still don't understand it. You know, I, in one of my games, a kid played it long, the referee had to stop it and redo it, the coach looked confused. It's just a, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think, is this the first year AYSO have adopted the build outline too? Yeah, I think it could be, yeah. You know, so I think, obviously, we are all big supporters of it, but in that industry, having a volunteer coach, it's it's going to be very interesting, right? Just to clarify there, uh, with the right back and right midfielder, that can also be known as the full back or the outside mid. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Is there any other terms? Halfback? No. Halfback. You know. So we, let me get this right. A halfback is what? A rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But, but seriously, I've heard this term before. Now, if you're halfway on the field, does that clearly not mean you're a, midfield a winger? Maybe it's a term for a, a wingback. A halfback. A wingback. You're half back. Again, it's a wing back's in rugby. Danny Alves is, the Marcellos. Not in these 3-4-3 I haven't seen recently when a club has signed a full back, they've called it a half back. Is Danny Alves a half back? Most definitely not. (laughs) Anyways, anyways. Moving on, moving on. Sam, anything from the weekend? Build outline. Yeah, your yeah. thoughts on this? It's an interesting one. Like you, I like it because it, it teaches the right way to play. It's obviously it's not perfect because you don't have that pressure like you would normally do. But I think it's a it's a good good system. It's a good starting point. Introductory to the game. Yeah, yeah, it's good for for the younger ones. They get in the habit of playing it short. They're always looking short. They pass back to the keeper. Like you said, you can build through midfield if you do it properly. So I, I do like it. It's not perfect, but I think I don't know. I don't know how you could make it. I don't know. You could do it any different, you know, to to get the same result. Yeah, I, I think um, it's I think it's great. The, uh, I'm sure you're seeing it, but there's still these teams that now instead of surrounding the the 18, they've got four players on the build out line, yeah. and I don't think these coaches are understanding yeah. the process of the build out line. It also can help you coach your team on how to pressure the ball and have the correct shape of when the ball goes somewhere. So I'm sure you guys played this weekend against a team who had four yeah. ravaged animals ready to attack the ball. And then ravaged. when your halfback, or sorry, right back, <laughs> gets the ball and slips one to the midfielder, it's not a situation where it's 5v2, you know? I, I just don't understand. It's, again, I think it's short-term results. I think the coaches are living in the moment of win the ball, put it in the net, we've won the game, instead of thinking about teaching the kids how to play the game yeah. for when it is the real it, game. It's, it's, a good, it's a good point. They've been told there's a build-out line. Now they've had to adjust the strategy, and rather than adjust it to build out the back or press certain ways, 
they've adjusted it to how do we win when we're using the build out line and that's kind of what they're that's what they're probably working on in practice is mm. and instead of just playing the right way so yeah. question for you then on this have you seen any particular plays or tactics that have effectively worked with the build out line whether that is you playing out the build out line yourself or stopping the opposition from doing it you know I've seen I know myself coaching 2009 I've seen numerous plays where keeper passes it out the outside back or half back gives it straight back to the keeper and he just goes for the long one or is it more of a I I, I saw that when, when the build out line first came out I was in Florida I was watching a game at a tournament. Loves, it was actually, loves Florida, by the way. It was actually... Uh, yeah, did I mention I lived in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in Florida? It was uh, Daytona Beach. Oh, okay. Uh, it used to be a great spring break destination. Oh, here we go. <laughs> going back to his <laughs> We'll talk about Sam's extracurricular activities <laughs> in another one. But it was just as it came out, and it was actually my club, but it was another coach. And um, they were playing like the rival club, the local club. And uh, what this one team was doing, it happened to be the other club. They were, they were passing it to the the right, the right back or the right half back or whatever we're calling it, and then this guy was just smashing it as hard as he could mm-hmm. up the field. <laughs> seen it happen? No, I, I've, I've even had it where I've seen the coach tell the kid, obviously, you know, right left back drops in to scoop it back to the goalkeeper so the goalkeeper can hit it on a half volley which will then give him even more of a yeah. a better ball bit up, the, up the pitch now look straight into the hot box yeah. <laughs> now look I, I again I think you have to teach kids how to manage games in all sorts so there is going to be times in the future where they're going to have to go long right but when it's the very youngest age groups, I personally don't think it's needed. And to be honest, there is going to be a scenario in maybe under 12s, under 11s, where the keeper's going to play short. Maybe he's under a lot of pressure. He plays back to the keeper quickly, which plays it long. But the difference is, I think all of us will be the coaches that are thinking about how to manage the game and kid, yeah. teach the kids that instead of the coach that I'm playing against he's thinking about he's not teaching that it's just the, his whole strategy the whole game is chip it up have folly up up to the box to Lukaku and see if he can bang one in for the win typical Man United reference yeah. from Carl Dixon there had to we, throw it in there we, we actually a similar scenario happened in my game yesterday it was a, a 2010 girls game the second half we were we were playing uphill and I've heard rumours about this hill about like you the just dreaded yeah, hill. it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a dreaded hill in Thousand Oaks <laughs> and it reminded me of being a little kid and showing up to a, a pitch in Wigan when you were when you were young and like you're playing downhill first half you're like 6-0 up and then you play downhill second half <laughs> and then you get beat 7-6 and um, a game the, of two halves the, a game of two halves yeah the girls um, in because I knew we were going to play uphill in, in the second half what we said was like, I set the, the two defenders a little challenge was to see how many times when you get it from the keeper can you miss out midfield and pass to the forward and that was kind of my way of like A, getting them to play a bit of a different way B, we were playing with that hill so us passing it out was going to be really difficult and it was kind of a way to just try and do something different but I was challenging the girls I wasn't making them do it I basically set them a challenge and if they did it you know, <clears throat> five times they got a reward in practice if it was ten times it was a different reward mm. Um, so that was like a kind of way that I kind of tried to teach them based on the situation to try and do something a little bit different 
it didn't work. <laughs> we didn't do it once. <laughs> <laughs> Could tell you're a man of action. But, but that, that was what we're trying to do, and I think that was what, what Carl's getting at in terms of like, in my opinion, that's trying to do it the right way. That's, mm. that's me trying to solve a problem of us playing up a hill, but trying to get the girls to solve it on in their own way and do it themselves, you know. And I wasn't on the sideline every time they got it shouting, pass to the forward, pass to the forward. I kind of let it happen and there were times when they got tackled, there were times when they tried to pass to the forward, then realised they couldn't and they lost the ball because they were thinking a little bit, but that's all part of I don't mind that because they're trying to do the right thing and eventually we'll, eventually we'll get there, you know. So let me ask you this, right, because we see it all the time. Goalkeeper plays at a defender who checks out to receive it. Defender's 2010, so he's seven years old, right? He's not a seasoned fullback. He's, he's <sighs> tried we to play that either that connect and pass to the white player or split the man and play it through to the centre mid. But the attackers cut it out and bang the goal in. What's your strategy on... How do you coach that kid next time? Because we see it in games and, and just, I see a lot of coaches straight after will tell that kid, first touch, down the line, smash it. Yeah. So what what would your, I know what my thoughts would be, I'm just interested, what would your guys' thoughts be? You know, because it happens every yeah, game. I conceded a goal in my 2010 boys from a very similar situation. Porter, free kick, and he tries to, he tries to pass it into the middle instead of you know just smashing it long and he just doesn't hit it hard enough guy comes in and wins it dribbles through and, and scores yeah, so ob- moment, obviously I'm thinking ah, we lost the goal but the fact that he's trying to play into midfield and try and connect a pass rather than just smash that ball long I was fine with it my advice in that moment was play the pass a little bit harder and give him a call because he basically didn't call I think our player was expecting him to pass somewhere else and if he does that again next time and he plays that pass harder, and we we make that into the midfield and play up. Then it's been it's been worth mm. losing a goal. Mm. Um, another another thing, if it was to happen in the situation you were talking about, I would basically advise him if you can't play that pass into the middle, play back to your keeper. Start again. Go and get open. The keeper can either play back to you again if you're open, or ideally, keeper will play out to the other side and switch it. But yep. just depends on the level of the guys as to whether he's trying to switch it or not. Yeah, I, I think too many people. Uh, you know, focus on an example, Gary Neville. Another Man United reference. <laughs> He's, uh, how many passes has he tried to play and it's caused a blunder? But at that level, you can put that player under scrutiny. Yeah. I think co- too many times coaches out here, and I'm going to say youth, and I'm going to go 16 and under. You know, once that player tries to do what he's been talking about the whole game and it doesn't work, boom, criticism and under scrutiny. So I, I know our staff and I know you guys, when your player gives that ball away, you, you try to get him to do it again because that game, that result means absolutely nothing. I it think, really yeah, does. we need to encourage the boys and girls in our club to do the right thing. And if they make a mistake attempting to do the right thing, I think that's a mistake worthwhile because it's a teachable moment, as we said, and you know, <clears throat> practice makes perfect. And if they're doing, they're practicing the right thing, it will eventually come. This, you know, there's no reason to criticize a mistake if they're trying to play the right way and, and trying to emphasize the points that you guys have been working on and, and myself in practice. So, 
definitely a fine line between criticising mistakes that are worthwhile and you know being unfair to the kid if they're trying to do the right thing but I think as you said in our club and our parents in our base we understand that if there is a teachable moment to jump on it and in a positive manner enforce the mistake but make sure it comes off in a positive manner so moving on with that anything this weekend that happened in in the games that was particularly funny anything that you want to share I mean we don't want to endorse another nine minute rants from Sam but hopefully we can <laughs> you know we can get something quick out of him I, I do give you a warning Florida may be um, mentioned for the 17th time so far do you want any oh. uh, United references the I'm sure we can move think, on from look, that here we go I think this isn't funny but I think this is something that people should hear and we should talk about sitting on the sideline more and more in all levels of games and I'm talking, I'm sitting watching academy games, I'm sitting watching college games, high school games flight 1, flight 3 flight 12, whatever it is the journeyman uh, I think what I'm starting to see a lot of is coaching is focused on individual players and how to get that result now let's look at our club for an example we call ourselves a bit of a development club. You know, we don't have the luxury of having an academy, ECNL, DA, to kind of have that brand recruit the top players. So any players we do have, we actually have to coach. We actually have to coach them all the techniques of the game. We have to coach them, you know, the tactical side of the game to compete against the clubs that do have all those levels. Mm. But you know, sitting on the sideline this weekend, the amount of games that I watch that teams are just focusing on two players, you know, that player who can bang one in from 18 yards out, and that striker who can get in behind every time from the the through ball. Pace. Yeah. Instead of focusing on the seven or the nine or 11 players you have. And... You know, it, it, I, this might stem into another topic on the podcast, but is there more recruiters than coaches in this country? Do you guys get where I'm, where I'm kind of... 100%. You know, would, would you say this weekend when you guys were playing games, how many of your games were actually played against teams or individuals that changed that game? 100%. I'll, I'll jump on this real quick. I think, you know... There's a lot of teams out there who do focus and adapt their game and tactics to the individual, especially in the more important, or should we say, for lack of a better word, important, should we say the more fundamental positions of a, a maybe a goalkeeper, a centre-back or a forward. You know, if they have a fast forward who, you know, they can use his pace and his skill, they'll play that ball into space. And I think that their tactics from building out the back or playing forward will depend on where that guy is on the field or that girl is on the field, you know. So I definitely think in terms of recruitment, there is definitely a lot of coaches in that role who are looking for specialists and a way to build their game around them, specialist players who have the attributes to do so, um, which is a shame. Because, you know, I think coaching at the youth level is more about developing everybody on the team rather than leaving somebody behind to focus on a individual who may be more further into their development. With that, Sam, anything on I, that? I would just say that from a point of view, it's it's easy to 
or easier in kids soccer you've got a couple of good players it's easier to win a game in youth soccer with a couple of good players if you play a certain way to like kind of to their strengths than what it is in you know college soccer or professional soccer and I think coaches take advantage of it being youth soccer and they're again looking like we mentioned before they're looking more towards winning as opposed to that development really as, as youth soccer coaches we've got to develop as many players as possible and we've got to develop them by as, as much as we can you know what I mean if that makes sense and I think again it's just taking the easy way out as a coach and I think we have to start looking at these coaches somewhere that like Carl called them almost recruiters can you say that they are technically coaches if they're not really coaching the full team and I think that is a bit, a bit of an issue but there's the famous uh, the famous movie and the line pass it to the Italians <laughs> Will Farrell kicking yeah. and screaming but it's so relative yeah, it, it, it really is like uh, and it's it's disappointing because you're doing an injustice first of all to you know if you've got nine on the field and there's those two the other players but then those two as well you're actually not developing them to 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 get better you're like unnecessary pressure on them as well as young kids yeah po- possibly you know and it possibly might loop in with burnout at some point mm-hmm. or you know if they're banging in the goals on a flight two team my question is why are they on that flight two team and why is that coach not pursuing avenues to push him onto a higher level team if he's a true coach and a developer of players and people let let those kids go you might have to let them go out of your club and go to another club but you know keeping him to win a couple of Saturdays games in SCDSL what, what, you know what's the point that helps nobody that's the holy grail yeah, well uh, if you look long term as well <laughs> when, when those players then go let's say they do go and play in college or they go and play professional or whatever it is and they've got to be part of a team where you can't just win the game on your own it's then going to be tough for them because they've grown up not not being part of a team if that makes sense you know, superstar. Not, yeah not playing as a team mm. what if you go in a team and there's a bigger superstar than you on that team you know here you go I mean it's never happened to me but oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> of course it hasn't the wicked legend I imagine it's quite a difficult thing to adapt yeah. to you know I'm sure Carl had a different experience as a player being a centre back which is deemed what a pretty boring position these days right everybody wants to be a forward his job was to get it and pass it to me (laughs) no actually I missed out Sam and passed it to to a corner so it's a lot (coughs) forward different game but no it's just I I don't know that that part of the game for me is interesting and the part of me sits on the sideline and you know quite sad at times just to just to see other kids on the team and the coach not spend as much time or try to, you know, put the player through them instead of channel ball, right. you know. So a little bit of negligence towards other kids. You think there's a lot of that out there with other of coaches? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. So um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a few funny stories, you know, over this weekend. Surely over this weekend I something happened. We, we've got eight teams in this I, uh, others, so. I spent about six or seven minutes in one game this weekend it's a 25 minute half grab a grab a coffee guys take a um, seat and it's, it, this used to happen in Florida as well <laughs> but no six or seven minutes out of a 25 minute half trying to get two subs on the field because the, the rule 
apparently you can only make subs at certain stoppages in the game and I must have been we must have had every stoppage every kind of stoppage in the game other than a penalty kick three times over excuse me PK uh, PK sorry no 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 death kick <laughs> <laughs> we cater to all cultures and cultures yeah. in this podcast uh, anyway every every kind of stoppage three times over before I was actually able to get the players on the field and the only reason the referee let me put the players on was because the other team got a throw in and the other team were making a sub so he allowed me to also make my subs it's a fair game right yeah it was a little bit a little bit frustrating that one because I don't see why we have these rules with throw ins and stuff mm-hmm. we can't just get the get the kids on get the kids off as long as we're getting the referee's attention And what age group was this 2010 yeah, see, see, this is the thing. I, I, like, I just totally disagree with the the rule at that age. You know, it should be probably unlimited on and off on any stoppage, so kids aren't standing around. You get to put as much time in on the field as they can. I think when they get to the eleven v eleven game, we should really start teaching our players. You know. How to manage the game as well as a player, you know, because you're gonna go into, you know, if you've dreams of going into the college game or, you know, pro or whatever it is, there's there's limitations there. But I think any games under the age of what eleven years old, twelve years old, you Fine. know, and to be honest, I'm even thinking from twelve to sixteen, you know, possibly as well. But it's ridiculous that. There's kids, and it's probably what hundred degree heat, and they're standing in the sun in the at air. the halfway line, and then they have to wait till the other kid comes off the high five, like they're a seasoned pro. <coughs> I think I think it's ridiculous. But was that rule brought in because coaches were making subs on corners to throw yeah. people in to score the goal would, or take a free kick with their strongest drink, kid uh, who needs a drink? I would, you know? I, would, I would presume that that was why it's been done. Like maybe time. Yeah, I, I would presume that that was why that rule was brought in because some coaches were being a little bit silly about it and getting a free kick. And before you know it, Coach Chad is... Uh, Getting little, little Jimmy, <laughs> come and use your strong foot, and he was shooting from forty-five yards out and looping it over the goalie, and then he. We was... might say he put a banger in the upper ninety. <laughs> Post kisser. Yeah. And before you know it, he's running on the field, picking little Jimmy up and hugging him because they worked on that in practice for three weeks, and now they've scored a goal from it. Well, on the topic of uh, Jimmy, we have a. What about Big Jimmy on the 2010 black team? Oh, he is a goal scorer. <laughs> scores, a, scores a few yeah, bangers. But again, look, Big kick here's, on the here's subject, a, right? Here's a simple factor. If that kid was on any other club, he would play a striker and he'd play every minute. Mm. On my team, he plays centre-back, he plays centre-mid, he plays goalkeeper, and he's also told to pass the ball, carry the ball, and make decisions that, week that help the team and not only himself and so, he's an individual developer. so so that you know is just an example of I think how we kind of do things and approach things you know yeah. so hope, hopefully people can appreciate that but I, I think this, the rules and the sub thing is just getting out of control now we talked about the build out line earlier going to a tournament and you've no build out line in those games we talk about the sub rules sub rules are different in league than tournaments and then yeah. Let's look at the academy. They've now these new sub rules where it's different at under twelves, completely different to what all the other. So there's there's so many rules. Honestly, mm. 
I, I'm getting lost and at I the moment. We, I'm lost we, with it all. We give the referees a hard time for you know not knowing the rules, but there's a different rule for seven v seven, nine v nine. If he's going from a seven v seven game to an academy game, how do we expect these referees to remember yeah. what the rules are and what the sub rules are? There's well, that you many. should know Sam club protocol. You shouldn't be giving referees our time. <laughs> I so. think that's one of Sam's twenty jobs hey. in the club. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I think we'll discuss I'm, that after this part. I'm not right. saying I gave the referee a hard time. I'm sticking up for the referee. You know? No, but look again to make it easy on everyone else: coaches, parents, players, and referees. Let's have the same rule yeah. for everybody. You know, whether it's 2010s, in some way, make it easy because it, it's really not easy. It, it, it isn't. And it's it's confusing. And the kids are getting confused. You know, I even heard this weekend one of the kids saying, but coach, we didn't do that in last week's tournament. And he's 100% right. So, you know, I just, I don't think we're doing ourselves any favours at all. Must be tough on the uh, logistical side as well, updating that PDF with the rules every week, right? <laughs> poor, the poor receptionist or clerk having to change all that. So just quickly tying it, tying the end loose here. Um, going back to our original topic and the main topic of today with parents. Any unusual parent behaviour on the side this weekend or any good things you saw from parents? Just a quick, you know, end to this part of the podcast anything you saw anything good bad ugly well, good mean, we we sent quite a few emails out to parents recently didn't we i know i sent like a coach's one and then one came from the club from carl about like the the behavior just to kind of as the season starts making sure they know what we expect of them so t- to be honest my parents were pretty good this weekend but anyway <laughs> let me just cut you off that email i sent out with the fa and the video you did watch it right yeah yeah did it bring a tear to your eye? Oh, <laughs> come on. The beautiful, the beautiful game. But we're not even parents, but that that was heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. But to a point then where well, you felt so, so good, yeah. you know. And it's so true, and it must happen to so many kids, even that we coach, like, after the game, if they've got that parent who is giving them a hard time, they must some, some of them must dread getting in that car. And the ride home. Ho- hopefully some of those parents have seen that video, and hopefully in the future that's the kind of response they're going to give. Yeah. When the kid gets in the car, whether they've played well, scored five goals, won the game, lost the game, hopefully it's just a case of, did you have fun? You did well. I enjoyed watching you. What do you want to go and get to eat? Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I think we should definitely include... Uh, if you haven't seen that video yet, guys, check it out on the club-wide email. We might even throw it up on a social media channel soon, <laughs> being a social media manager and all that. So English FA, heart of the lion, right? Free the Irish FA have got one too. Here we go. Part of a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, if you didn't know, one of Sam's jobs in the club is to be our club leprechaun. <laughs> so uh, he's wearing a lovely bright green shirt today. I know you guys can't that's, see that it. That isn't green, but... that's teal. Oh, so, right. sorry. Uh, teal. Yeah. Gary, Gary so, Teal. Gary just, Teal. Just be aware of that if you're going to get into those Carl's things. Carl's also a fashion Fashionista. Fashionista. Yeah. Right. All right, guys. Um, I think that's it, right, for part two. Are we happy with that? Anything else? To... Smashing. Yeah, I think we could sit here and talk about it all day, but I've got uh, fields, I've got a line, and goals I've got to put up. <laughs> we did tell you, club handyman, Sam Powers. <laughs>
we can't go ahead and waste time talking about this. UEFA, what they call it, UEFA Nations League. Champions Nations of the League. Yeah, international week's a waste of time. We all know that. No one wants to talk about that. Yeah, pass. Not yet, yeah, nothing at stake. Let's move on. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, we'll move on from that. All right, and we're going to give that final part another go. Heading into the final topic of today's podcast, Premier League review. Is that right with you, Sam? Carl, we happy with that? Yeah? More like it, isn't it? Yeah. Much better. better. All right, so your host, Dan McCarthy, as always, joined here by Carl Neville and Sam Carragher. How are we doing, guys? Ready to go? Oh, let the beer begin. Yeah. Welcome to the... American Sand and Surf version of Monday Night Football by Sky Sports. Monday if, Night Soccer. Oh, apologies, apologies. So it's where, gonna get. Hey, where do we get this host from here? I know. Uh, <laughs> we are looking for a new host for our podcast. <laughs> if anybody wants to uh, send an application in, see Dixon at sandandsurfsoccer.com. Thanks, guys. You just need to be able to read and talk. You don't even have to be able to write. <laughs> <laughs> They do call me a soccer coach for a reason. Uh, getting into it then, let's go ahead and get into the first question. Jose Mourinho and United. Carl's <sighs> Neville is going to be loving this one as a Man United fan slash Shamrock Rovers. Um, <laughs> what do we think, Jose Mourinho, this year? Is it third season syndrome for the man or will he come back? Come back from the horrific fall that he suffered this week also. We'll get into that. Oh, God, that was terrible. It's just not going well for him. Uh, it's heartbreaking. I am a big Mourinho fan, you know, like a lot of the other managers, but it's just not started off as well as we would have liked. Wow. You know, uh, I think the squad itself, is it title-winning squad? Definitely no. not. No. You know, I think when you're a big name signing in the summer as Lee Grant, <laughs> third string goalkeeper. Wait, if I'm right, you guys went and watched the guys train over at UCLA, am I correct? And yeah, you met the man did. himself. I heard he was very happy to see you guys. Oh, yeah. I, I think. Uh, and big Lee Grant. I think he was close to cracking a smile, but no, no, he, he didn't look happy. And I think uh, everybody's seen in the interviews leading up to the season he's not a happy man he hasn't got the players that he wanted in the squad I think most people who know the game know that Mourinho is a short term results guy he needs the players in to play his style and get the results he wants uh, because he's not going to waste his time on coaching players as we've seen with you know the younger players De Bruyne and all that who he got rid of so Kaku Wamata yeah yeah it's uh, it's I think it's again another worrying time for United but I'd like to see him stick with it and I'd like to see United stick with it because I'd hate for us to be the new Chelsea you know I think I think he's I think he's not going to last the season I don't think he'll last the season um, big statement coming out there from. and uh, I think he's almost um, he's almost going to get to the point where he's just going to get himself fired by kind of challenging United if you will like like Carl mentioned from pre-season he's obviously he seems like he's just been in a bad mood from starting with pre-season all the way through and I think it's only just a matter of time before matter of time why matter at this point as a United fan I'm worried about you know I'm big on 
English players getting opportunities and youth players coming through the system and I'm worried about players like Rashford you know who it just doesn't look like it's going well right now mm. and then after <clears> last <throat> week getting sent off Mourinho had really nothing good to say about that <laughs> he pretty much battered him in front of everyone so yeah, uh, yeah it, it's definitely you know a, a worrying front at this point for him the uh, like the, the current the current time that we're in work with City being so good uh, well, well. The, the only way United are going to catch City is by spending a lot of money on those players that Mourinho wants Jose Mourinho no, he's a, already spent what I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan like, like Carl Neville I'm a big fan That's of nothing uh, in this day and age is it I, I like him I'm a big fan of him and I th- you only have to look at last year Man United the punch total that they got would have won the league in pretty much every other Premier League season Apart from the ones that Chelsea won. And he's he's finished still miles off the pace. Yeah. So he knows it's going to take something big if they're going to overturn City. And he knows he can't do that with that squad. And I think he's been pretty open and honest with it. But is it Mr. Mr. Clive Woodward that's not giving him what he wants and buying the Another players? Another rugby reference, half back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ed Woodward, Sam. <laughs> not Clive Woodward. I'm just hanging on to the last World Cup. Yeah. I don't Woodward. think Sam Carragher done his research before yeah. this. Uh, to be honest, yeah, Sam. My he, also coaches La- he also coaches lacrosse and is part time. His twenty first job. He's just. By taken. the way, I'm looking for a PA because she's wrote she, she's wrote the wrong Woodward on my piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I was actually listening to something this week which is really interesting the Sign of Surf podcast huh? uh, no I'll be listening to that next week right, right. I love myself that much I like to listen to myself uh, <laughs> tell. Mourinho gets caned at times for playing the style in which he plays sitting back boring getting results in my opinion it's not boring you know I come from the background of position of you know I understand keeping a clean sheet and grinding out a result is important but he gets battered for that, and then against Tottenham, we come out and we play an attacking style, and everybody watching that first half was like, here we go. So back to the good old days of yeah. United, right? Now, the chances missed were horrendous. You know, there was a couple of key chances that should have been put away, but I think Mourinho actually is losing his head a little bit He's reading into too much that papers and the critics are talking about. He's went and played the style that people are saying that he should play. Then, unfortunately... He can't win. Yeah, I, Tottenham win. came out. The result ended what it ended. And then he lost his head in that, in that press conference afterwards. And, and I think oh, at this yeah, point, oh. honestly, if United come fourth in the league, get to a Champions League final, win you know, the Carabao Cup... Or the Harry Bow Cup, or whatever they're going to call it these days. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think there's any winning for him. But I would like to see him see out the season. I don't want United to be that club. And honestly, I probably think at that point there'll be a new manager coming in. Uh, so. One Zinedine Zidane, maybe. Yeah. I read Cantona fancies it like last night. Cantona was throwing out statements that Man United should come and find him. Well, it's better him throwing out statements than uh, overhead kicks into people's <laughs> faces, isn't it? I know. If you can imagine what he's like as a manager when he loses a match, it's going to be pretty funny. There but... may be a coach or two out there who may replicate that. Um, what about you, Dan, as a Chelsea fan who had Mourinho as your your manager? How, how do you feel? What do you feel now? Do you, does it remind you of old days? I mean, you know... There's no hiding the fact that Jose Mourinho is the most successful manager in Chelsea's history and we owe him 
a lot. Um, I think a lot of short-term, short-minded fans of the club do forget what he brought to the club and what he did for us. And in terms of a... Just to interrupt you, yeah. when did uh, Abramovich take over Chelsea again? What, what 2003. So everybody listening, Chelsea actually did have a history before 2003. We did win the uh, Cup Winners' <laughs> Cup, the UEFA <laughs> yeah, Cup. Yeah. Most people FA thought Cup. you know Chelsea were a new club in 2003, just got right. entered into the you know the Premier <laughs> I, I think we did a um, so, one of these a Premier League franchise. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we did like a merger, like we a lot of the club teams this year. One minute, uh, look, there's uh, no need to get defensive. It's no, just but a, it's a healthy know, going back onto the uh, topic, you know. Playing style, I think, in the professional game, just so we can clarify that, not the club soccer youth, but the professional game, results are everything. And the way to get them doesn't really matter in terms of the sense that Jose Mourinho won, has won numerous Premier League titles, other titles elsewhere, playing this style that is somewhat ridiculed now. But, you know, take a look at the trophy cabinet and you'll see that there's silverware there, just like we have silverware in the uh, Sand and Surf office here. Um, but, no... I'm a big fan of Mourinho. I think he needs to stay there at United. Um, I do not think he's the same manager he is now than he was at Chelsea. I think Chelsea was his spiritual home and he's not enjoying it as much as he did in West London. I but... also think he had something to prove, to be honest, going to United. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Ferguson having that history and yeah. being that most successful manager. I think Mourinho, you know, that's this is why I love him. I love the ego. I think he went to United to prove that he's even better than Ferguson. Unfortunately, it's just the squad he, he has and everything, I think a lot of decisions made of players coming in and out, it, it, it just hasn't worked out. But I, uh, you know, I hope he stays at the end of the season. I really do. All right, so then let's jump on to the next one. Cross City Neighbours, Man City, also known as, once upon a time, the Noisy Neighbours by the great Sir Alex Ferguson himself. Completely dominated the league last year, broke all kinds of records, which were mainly <coughs> held by... My beloved Chelsea. Um, what do we guys think? Will they dominate again this year? Is there, you know, just seeing the start of the season now, they haven't started as aloof as they did last year. So is it another dominant year for the Sky Blues? Or, you know, has the Premier League caught up with the summer transfer window? Um, no, I, I think they'll go and dominate again. Oh. They're, they're not going to go and reach the heights that they did last year with all the records and stuff. I think they've set the bar too high even for themselves. But I can't see anyone over the course of the year really coming close to Man City no Liverpool's Chelsea's United's nah, they'll all have the times and the moments and where like they go through rich veins of form but no one will be able to keep it up for the for the full year I don't think just on this I think we should probably plug that documentary that you know every uh, youth coach in the world is watching right now Oh, the um, All or Nothing yeah. on the Amazon Prime obviously yeah. a fantastic watch but it's just so interesting now I've seen uh, multiple coaches you know coaching and talking to their teams at halftime with the same speech that Pep did so Pep Guardiola but, yeah. what, what a documentary that was Unbelievable. That, that was brilliant and even being a United fan and not liking City uh, yeah a, a lot of respect for the coach that Pep is and what those players did uh, do I think they'll do it again no I think the Premier League changes year to year. Agreed. Completely. I think the top four changes as well year to year. I'm interested to see what Arsenal do. Obviously, United and Jose we discussed. And I also think, has it been a slow start to this season for City? It has. I think part of that has been probably players coming back from the World Cup. Uh, of course, World Cup, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think 
that as being tough. I think that'll affect it. I don't think it'll be the same season, but I do think they'll win the league. I, I do think so. And I think Pep this year in his mind has got Champions League written all over him. Yeah, he's di- he's sure. dying for that. That's, that's, that's the thing that's missing. I must report that there has been a record number of sales in whiteboards after watching the All or Nothing series. Oh. <laughs> I've seen at least three whiteboards every game on the sidelines in full league yeah. due to this phenomenon now of moving the missing pieces. It's even and got tactics. so far that Sam took his TV off his wall in his living room and put a whiteboard up instead just so he could continue to focus on I'm moving. Uh, I've got, I'm going to give a shout out here to Coach Liam Hall, great member of our staff, uh, who loves a whiteboard. Whose team he? manager actually did purchase him a whiteboard this last week. Alyssa Trenkam, thank you for doing that. He's now on his way to becoming an even better coach and fitting into this new style of oh, whiteboard coaching. He is, Liam Hall is the chameleon. Yes, he, he loves it. Yeah, he changes comedian. his style every week, doesn't he? Then the on. American phenom, they yeah, call it. We call him. Sure. Loves the hot box. But back to City. What about the big injury? Do you think that'll affect him, or do you think the squads? It'll affect him, obviously. I mean, when you take the the best player out of the team, it's going to affect you. But it's not like they don't have players who can step in. You know, they've they've been leaving. Sane was left out of the squad last week. Insane. And I know, obviously people, Americans will jump on it and say, well, he didn't even make the Germany World Cup squad, but for me, that was a travesty that they didn't put him in the squad. The fact that they can leave players like that out on a, on a weekly basis tells me that they've got enough talent. In the documentary we saw, talking to the director of football who makes all the signings, <clears throat> they've got money to burn as well and they're, they're, not, they're not scared to spend money, so if come January they get other injuries or they need a bit of extra, don't be surprised they're going to see them sign anyone you know you know what's interesting for me it's not more Man City it's Pep is you know this the whole Barcelona phase you know that came out here when it was so successful and then going to Munich and now going to City what I love about him is he does adapt to the countries he plays in and although City play this nice attacking fast style they also have a bit of British bite to their game like in how they work off the ball and how they tackle you know and they do have British players in their team as well so I I respect that and I do enjoy that side of it you know uh, the Premier League is just very very different than most league and you have to give it to them for for adapting that team and still having a bit of old school British spice in it yeah the Premier League is definitely a lot different than the uh, NFL you're right there for sure (laughs) the MLS you mean (laughs) oh sorry or the MLF sorry no the Major League NHL oh goodness CONCACAF CONCACAF the DPL Uh, ECNL not sure DA (laughs) anyways moving on right so um, the the guys here Carragher Neville Sam Carl seem to think that yes City will win the league but maybe not so in the same dominant fashion as before I know you guys care about my opinion, so I'll give you mine. I do think City will win the league. Um, Even as a Chelsea fan? It hurts me to say it. You know, we'll get on to Chelsea in a minute and the wonderful, wonderful style of Sarri ball. But I do think City will win the league. Um, Again, not as comfortably as last year, but I think their squad, their philosophy, their coach um, are a step above. And I think, you know, it'll be a repeat, which has not been done since the 90s, am I correct? a back-to-back Premier League win at United? As host, you should probably know the answers to the as questions a, you're asking. As <laughs> really. a, you know, avid Man United fan, maybe you should know this, huh? 
yeah, <clears throat> unfortunately you've stumped me there. I you think know, the, uh, quizzes and that type of thing aren't really the my forte. Arsenal the last one to do it. We'll have to, if anybody out there knows the answer to this, feel free to shoot it over to us and uh, we'll give you a shout out. Um, I think the Shamrock Rovers in Carl has come out in him, you know, maybe not as big a United fan as we once thought. All right, let's jump into this final question then, guys. Save the best till last. Um, Chelsea. Oh. As if you sat there and set oh. that up. And you say it's written as kids. You've moved. You've moved Chelsea as a second question to a third one. Oh. Just so you yeah. can stay. Be, being the host of this podcast and the backbone. It was second on my list. <laughs> as I said, you know, being the backbone of this podcast, I'm able to make changes when needed. And I felt, you know, to get the most, um, um, get the best out of the podcast, we should have saved this till last. Oh. So, Sari Ball, Maurizio Sari, coming from Napoli. Like, uh, this year arrived early August into pre-season first week into pre-season for Chelsea came from Napoli in Italy was renowned for its aggressive fast attacking style and possession based soccer so see how I used f- football and soccer there you know catering all fans what do you think has Chelsea or will Chelsea should we say past present tense will they improve <coughs> under this new manager who are who has this new philosophy and will it can they ultimately challenge for the Premier League title? Let's go over to Sam first, because Carl is doing his research as we speak. Uh, I mean... He's checking a few emails. They, they should improve, because by the end of Conte's, Conte's reign, they were, they were struggling. Oh, and terrible. it's, it's not terrible. like he doesn't have the players. He's obviously bringing a completely different style to Conte, which I think, towards the end of Conte at Chelsea, I think the players... We're maybe getting a little bit bored of his style, maybe a little bit bored of Conte and whatever was going on. See I how think, many times you can count that Sam has said the word Conte in the last minute. I think, I think the, 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 the players will probably be a little bit excited of the new manager's style. I know I would be as a player. Um, as much as I would love to play for Conte. I, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what were you known would... as the N'Golo Conte in your playing uh, that, that was a long time ago. long oh, yeah. time ago. We can talk about that in another podcast. Shout out right. to uh, Mr. Delury for that one. <laughs> I believe that Conte is his screensaver as your contact, right? Um, but yeah, as, as a player, I would be more excited to play for the new manager, but I don't, I don't want to jump on a bandwagon too soon. Because okay. it's, it's early days, you can, you know, it's always good, a fresh start, but... It's Premier League's tough. It'll be a little bit easier for Chelsea this year with them not being in the Champions League again. But yeah, I want to again, again. Yeah, I mean, I think they can only win the league these days, can't they? When they're not in the Champions League. Yeah, it's almost cheating a little bit. That really. Yeah. Maybe we do it on purpose, you know. But yeah, I I don't want to jump on a bandwagon too soon. I'd like to see, like to see a little bit more before I make. Sam, uh, I'm not sure if you know where you are. I think the US is a avid. Avid replica the, of being the, a bandwagon. The reason I'm not getting on the bandwagon is there's just no space. I can't fit on it. <laughs> there has been again a sale of Man City shirts in the United States. Carl, as a, I know you appreciate Chelsea as a club. You might not show it at times, but I do appreciate. I know you appreciate their ruthless. Well, first of all, trophies. Chelsea as a club, in my opinion, you know Chelsea fans. It's interesting. They're like. They're like that woman who's never just found that love, you know, of their life. And every few months, it's, oh, I'm all in, I love it. And then... This is the one. The, yeah, yeah, guess what? Six <laughs> months later... We win the Premier the, League the Insta- again. The Instagram has a different photo, and you're like, who's that? And it's like, the one, the one and only. And, you know, I, I like Sari. 
he's a great character. I think the Premier League need that. I think the Premier League need passionate managers. He looks like that. I think it's been brilliant watching him on the sideline with his cigarettes, <laughs> chewing that. I think that's it's just so unorthodox, and I think he's bringing that to Chelsea and the team, bringing in Gianfranco Zola, who's ex- has has experience in the Premier League, also experience at that club, also a very attacking player. It's interesting, you know, and they're playing right the four three three. Yes, the correct. U.S. soccer formation that. Is taught across the board. So, hey, is U.S. soccer on to something? Possibly. I Could Sari be getting a move to Manhattan Beach well, at some point? Breaking news this morning: Siggy Schmidt has stepped down from his role at LA Galaxy as head coach. So, is it a quick stop for Sari in, in West London and a quick move over to Carson, California, for the man? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll leave that for another time. Yeah, we'll touch on that another time. Uh, yeah, I think Chelsea will be contenders. I think have they picked up? the most points in August or no us and Liverpool I believe yeah. our joint top with 12 points Liverpool with the extra goal in the goal difference and keeping them first yeah. so I, th- I think he's he's enlightened the new squad like Sam said uh, what was the manager called before Sam Antonio uh, Conte yeah I think it, it went a little stale not in goal and not to be the change was needed but again it's the honeymoon period for Chelsea it's will, there, will he be there next year will he not how will it go down I think he needs to be contending for the Premier League this year. He has to be. With not having Champions League. We do have Europa League though. Yeah, well. Which is something that Man United fans are very familiar with as well. So let's not forget that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's in the past. You know what I mean? (laughs) So now we're talking about Liverpool. In the past history. I know, you know, coming from a Chelsea fan, myself, as you guys probably know, um, I'm very excited by Sarri Ball. Watching that first game in the league against Arsenal, the three-two win, that was uh, exhilarating as a fan. Edge of the seat staff watching us dispose of our London rivals in a attacking, exciting sense. You know, Antonio Conte, Sam's best friend, did play a three-five-two, three-four-three kind of formation with a more negative persona, uh, defensive as well. But I do think Sarri is has come in with Jorginho, the new signing, who is I think a massive change and a great facilitator for the side I think that new style is has got Chelsea fans excited again you know to watch that attacking style and to see a more positive outlook on the game coming from us um, Roman Bramovich the owner who has much spoken about has always said that he wants to find that combination of results but also a style that excites him you know I'm sure if you pump in 800 trillion dollars into a club you want to see some good soccer if you're watching from the director's box right so you know, I think. But does he want to watch a good style, or does he want to win trophies? I think he wants, like day. I said, I think he wants both. I think we're bored now of winning so many trophies, he being the most. He needs to go and hire Pep Guardiola then, or buy Yeah, you know, I think we've both we've won the most trophies in the last ten years, no doubt. And I think he's he wants something more now. I think he's looking for that next challenge. Can we do it in a way that excites him, excites the fans, and excites all Premier League fanatics? And you know, I think Sarri Ball is the first step towards that. And I think, you know. So we will definitely challenge for the, the league. I do not want to get too hasty and say that we should be winning it, you know, being a new style and not being in the league this year. Okay. Um, but I definitely think we'll be up there. Top four will be great. If we win the European League, that would be excellent and maybe even a FA Cup. But, you know, like I said earlier, I think City will win it, but I'd love to see Chelsea up there second or third, you know, disposing of their London rivals and the Northern teams and, you know, 
getting back to where we definitely belong. Are we done with Chelsea now? <laughs> I think the fans. I've just had a text from one of our parent our parents saying that they'd love another five minutes of it. So, uh, thanks for that text. We'll touch on it. Uh, anything else? Unfortunately, we cannot talk about Sam's beloved Wigan. Wait, is it Wigan or Blackburn Rovers this what week? Come on. Oh, we can't keep. So basically, Sam is Premier was born League in Wigan. Wigan. Yeah, I think we won the Premier League well before Chelsea. Yeah, in the years of Alan Shearer, right? Um, we're not too sure if he's a Blackburn or a Wigan fan. He changes it depends on the weather. So, uh, and unfortunately, they they're not the most successful teams at the minute. So we won't touch on them. We won't bore you with that. But uh, what promotion last year? Into what league now? Uh, championship. Which is the equivalent of flight two <laughs> over here, if you didn't know that in the SDS. <laughs> and uh, what state cup did they play in then? So going ahead and touching on to maybe a more individual approach. Who are the players to watch this year, guys? What do we think? You know, we've touched on the teams and the more credible teams, but in those teams, who are the guys that we should be watching? Let's go with uh, Sam. Why not? Uh, I'm gonna go for young English centre midfielder from Man City. Uh, Phil Foden uh, he played a few times last year I think he played a little bit over five games so he was actually able to get a, a winner's medal um, he's a left footed player uh, number 47 he's represented England at like U17, U18, U19 level in England everyone's talking about him being kind of the next big thing uh, Pep Guardiola seems to really like him he's a good technical player looks like he's going to give him a little bit of a chance for those that watch the All or Nothing documentary, he features a little bit in there, nothing major. But he'll be my kind of pick. Hopefully he has a good season, he gets his chance. With De Bruyne being injured, he might get a little bit more playing time in the early parts of the season. If he does well, I'm sure Pep will give him more and more of a chance. And hopefully he can, by the end of the season, he can be doing big things for England as well. So he'll be my pick. Phil Foden. F-O-D-E-N? That's the one, yeah. All right. Is there not an L in there? Foden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't believe so. Phil Foden. P-H-I-L-F-O-D-E-N. <laughs> Foden. What about Mr. Dixon? It was a tough choice. I was going to pick one of many United's up-and-coming players at this point. Which is nobody. People don't watch United anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that boring soccer we just talked I about. I think uh, I'm going to stick on... It's, similar trend uh, Sam young English player Ryan Sessegnon oh, oh Fulham West London newbies in the Premier League this year yeah uh, tore, tore it up a little in the championship last year I think fly two uh, <laughs> I think he it, he was the first player to get named are thrown in the hat for player of the year first championship player sorry he did win championship player of the year last champion. year yeah. he win the young but the PFA as well PFA he was yeah. yes you're correct yeah. Mr Dixon yeah. so correct. you know I think obviously big adjustment of his game coming in the Premier League but he's only 18 I think he'll also be in that group of Phil's yeah players those guys coming up that's the, the thing that's good for him is he's going to play every week in the Premier League oh yeah, yeah you've already league, seen it one of Fulham's main yeah. players so you know exciting attacking player kind of good on the ball you know creative so I think just exactly what seems to be what's coming through the ranks at the moment in England so you know I think he's one to watch I think kids should watch him 
try to catch a Fulham game if you can on TV, you know. <laughs> Which are on once every two months. <laughs> Fulham, Fulham versus Chelsea. West London derby. Don't be surprised if Cesson Young, you know. Gets destroyed by Aiden Hazard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you can tell both from myself and Sam, we're coaches, we're looking at development, you know, we're, we're seeing what's up and coming. So here we go. Chelsea, the old ex-girlfriend syndrome. What's on the cards? <laughs> Who are we looking out for? Let's hear it. So. <laughs> he's he's going to change oh, it now. I am scramble, not. For them that can't see, he's scrambling through his notes. I am, you know, being a very professional man I am, I do take numerous notes and numerous pages. Um, you know, I like these guys, as you noticed earlier with Sam, who had a very big mistake with his clerk who did not put the correct he's, notes down he's now rambling and going really red in his face yeah. <laughs> so we've had, Cli- we've had Clive Woodward Phil, <laughs> Phil Folden who's, who's your player to watch he's, he's like and, a, and hey is it a player that a 10 year old out here couldn't pick yeah no. yeah yeah come on you know why because it. I'd like to make the people who should be watched on TV accessible I do believe if any <laughs> 10 year old typed in Ryan Sessignon on Google they would probably be closer to spelling spaghetti you could help them by spelling that one out as well I could Ryan Sessignon R-Y-A-N-S-E-S-S E-N-G-S-O-N wrong E-N-G-N-O-N Sessignon ah without the N before the G I was close I do needs to be in your head when you're thinking yeah so maybe I need to get back to the 2011 high school spelling bee but yeah, moving on swiftly onto a player that is definitely worth mentioning and a, someone that should be watched by all kids around the world, Mr. Beden Hazard. Oh, sorry, Eden Hazard for my uh, spelling worries there. Surprise. Mercurial, fanatical, platinum player, you know, arguably, not even arguably in my opinion, but I know these guys will jump on it immediately. The best player in the Premier League. Watching him is... No, I, I would totally... No, let I me, wouldn't agree let, with that. Let me finish. I'd say one of the best, yes. I think, without doubt, the best player in the Premier League. So natural, gifted. You know, as I said, Mercurial on the ball just makes everything look so easy. And I think that's what the great players do. They make the game look easy. And watching him carry us this year with his attacking prowess and unbelievable touch and skill has been wonderful over these last few years. Um, I think we've done very well to keep hold of him, but... You know, he's still with us, a possible captain, hopefully in the future. And for kids out there, you know, he's not a YouTube sensation. He is not one of these guys that is doing the rainbows and the Maradona sevens and the 85 step overs that were once graced by Mr. Ronaldo. You know, he's very simple in what he does. He's low centre of gravity, he's balanced, he's quick touches, keeps the ball close to him in a similar sense to the one Lionel Messi. But... Definitely someone that could be watched by all kids across our club and across the globe and someone that could be replicated moving forward, you know. And yes, he is a Chelsea player and uh, I do not hold bars to say I am. <laughs> that is Carl watching Jose Mourinho's United team play again on our YouTube. Sorry for that. But, you know, definitely someone that should be watched by all and a great talent. And then, you know, just to please the fans and please the guys in the studio here, I will say a young English talent that needs to be watched more as well as a one Joe Gomez from yeah, Liverpool you had your pick yeah you can't we, we're, we're not just want to say you don't get two picks uh, 
We're going to leave him out of it now. No. You had your pick. To be fair, we're though, moving on. Joe Gomez, English sensation. We can edit out that 10 minute rant about Hazard because we do actually have him saying Joe Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that could be a good idea. We will poll on the social media <laughs> so we if you want Joe Gomez or to watch. Phil Foden. Not many people know who that is, so then maybe you'll do a little Google on him. Ryan Sessegnon, probably not many people know who that is either out here. And Eden Hazard. So just uh, just quickly, boring. just very, very quickly, guys, I know we've got to wrap up here. Who is the best player in the Premier League, if not Hazard? What? Just give me, you know, your guess. Yeah, you have to say the Egyptian king, don't you? Oh, Big Mole. Mohamed Salah, for those of you who don't know who he's talking say, about. Uh, David Silva. I will be honest that's a great shout whilst he's not on the um, pedestal of one Eden Hazard I definitely think you know we'll, we'll keep this argument to another day we'll come back to that thank you uh, Carl Neville and Sam Carragher for that and uh, we'll move on from here Alright guys, and that will do it for the very first episode of our Upper 90 podcast, sponsored by Santa Surf Soccer Club. Looking forward for our club members. Our Velocity training will start up again next week on Tuesday. And for Wednesday, September 19th, our Santa Surf Skills Clinic will return for the fall 2018 edition. The 2010-2007 age group can join us at Begfield from 6 till 7pm. And the 2006-2004 older age groups can head down from 7 to 8 p.m thanks for listening guys it was a pleasure you can check out our social media channels on facebook instagram and youtube subscribe listen up and we'll see you guys soon take care bye-bye upper 90 a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Ooh, post-kisser. <laughs>